Imagine your child going limp in your arms as you hold them, or walking into the room while they're playing or sleeping and noticing that their lips have turned blue and they can't make any sounds or cry. As parents and caregivers, we need to know how to react quickly and confidently in emergency situations, and learning infant CPR is a great step in being able to handle a number of life-threatening situations. I'm Nathan Cohen, and today we're talking about infant CPR. This is Parent Savers, episode 104. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome once again, everybody, to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents from the newborn years through kindergarten. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who join us week in and week out. And thanks also to those of you who are listening for the first time. As you may know, you can join our Parent Savers Club and receive access to special bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts from time to time. And if you haven't already, please make sure to download the free Parent Savers app. You can get it for your Android phone or your iDevice, uh, I your Apple device. It's on iTunes. It's free, and you'll automatically get the latest podcast sent to you as soon as it's available. It's magic. It's awesome. It's Parent Savers. <laughs> New tagline. That's Insert right. here. <laughs> that, uh, we should here, get that URL real Delivered quick. Delivered by unicorn. Exactly. <laughs> right. Nice. All right. So let's start um, this conversation about infant CPR. There's a bunch of us in the room, so you guys know who you're listening to and who's laughing along or not <laughs> laughing along with this kind of serious topic. Um, so my name's John O'Reill. Uh, I'm 40 years old, and I have three boys, a seven-year-old a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And they certainly know how to get themselves in situations uh, where we need to react quickly and know what to do. <laughs> I'm Stacy Spensley. I am 31 years old. I'm a certified holistic health coach. And I have one son who is 13 and a half months old. <laughs> <laughs> how many days? <laughs> <laughs> you have to, it's like, where do you? where is the flip? You know, know. Actually, know. He's almost know. 14 what? months. He's not. He's 13 and a half. He's People right are critical about it, but I actually totally agree. I think months is fine, especially even through like... He's in a wonder week. After. It does matter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I what is a wonder week. <laughs> it's a period of development where basically my life sucks because <laughs> he doesn't sleep. All he wants to do is stay awake and point at everything and go bah. I have not heard that term, but that's hilarious. Yeah. I'm sorry he's in it's the Wonder an, It's an there. app. You guys should review it. You, you, you should totally it check is. it out. We will. We will check it out on a later show. <laughs> anyway, I support 13 and a half months. That's great. <laughs> uh, you'll like mine then. Um, <laughs> I'm Colina Carruthers. I work at a call center, and I have one son who is almost 11 months. We're <laughs> nice. right there. That's on great. the 11th, he'll be 11 months. Nice. Yeah. All right, everybody. I'm Sunny. Um, I am producing today's show. I'm also the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces Parent Savers, uh, The Boob Group, Preggy Pals, and Twin Talks. I am 36 years old, and I have four children. Uh, my oldest is three and a half-ish. <laughs> Ish. Ish. And um, then almost two. I have a son that's almost two, and then I have identical twin girls who are about five months old now. Yes. Oh, oh, and I wanted to promote our Parent Savers, our, our VP program. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so if you guys are listening along and um, you're not right here in the studio with us, but you want to participate in our conversations, a great way to do that is to be part of our Parent Savers uh, virtual panelist program. So you can follow us on Facebook and uh, on Twitter as well. If you're on Twitter, follow hashtag Parent Savers VP, and we'll be posting questions and comments as we're recording today. We also post some stuff in advance before we start recording, and um, your comment may make it on the show, so it's a great way to 
to participate if you're not here in San Diego. Great. And then Nathan is in the room as well. Sure. Uh, my name is Nathan Cohen. I'm 39 years old. I'm a first aid and CPR instructor at CPR Advantage, and we are trying to start a family right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not right now. Not right yeah. now. Not exactly right now, yeah. <laughs> but Adam is also in the room, um, Clint's yeah, son, is. so you may hear him from time to time. Yeah. That's not Nathan trying uh. to start a family. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, before we jump into today's topic of infant CPR, we're going to do a news headline. And this is where we take uh, an article or something that we've maybe read online or uh, seen somewhere, and we talk about it because we think it's of interest to parents. And this one is something that got me all sorts of fired up. I saw it about a month ago. A friend posted it on Facebook. And this is actually from Parents Magazine, from the April issue of Parents Magazine. It's called 10 Things You Should Never Say to Your Kids. And it says, these everyday phrases actually do more harm than good. And so I'm just going to go through these phrases first, and then we can talk about them. But the phrases are, great job, practice makes perfect, you're okay, hurry up, I'm on a diet, we can't afford that, don't talk to strangers, be careful, no dessert unless you finish your dinner, and let me help. And I think this is taking some of the, I I know that we, and a lot of our listeners and us and as parents, we really try to like read a lot and do a lot of the best. But I think some of these just really rub me the wrong way. The idea that like, great job, that, you know, it's not okay, that you really shouldn't give your kids praise. Um, You should do it very limited and only when it's truly warranted um, is what they're saying. But the idea that somehow giving praise is going to damage the kid, I'm not sure that I agree with that. And uh, I don't know. What are you guys' reaction to some of those phrases? I'm I'm not. I read the article when it came out and I posted it to my Facebook page and we had an interesting conversation with some other moms. And basically, I think some people took, which I agree, is it's like your SAT test when it says never, like it's a red flag. So it's not that you should never say those phrases. But I think when, like, like I have a 13-month-old, so 13-and-a-half-month-old. <laughs> and, you know, so he's starting to, you know, do this. So we have, like, the little shape toy so you can, like, yeah. stick the circle through and the triangle through. And so, you know, we have him clap and stuff and celebrate that he did it. But if every time you say, good job, you know, it's like, it's he's it's not like he cured cancer. He put a circle <laughs> through a circle. You know, and so we, we do say it, but we try to keep it kind of limited. So, we're so like, we're encouraging him, but also helping him to celebrate his accomplishment, not saying... You know, you've done something that makes you worthy of love is what kind of what the article and says. Is that something you did before you read this article or that the article? I've read other articles that are similar that, I mean, Alfie Cohn is a well-known author who has a really great um, article. If you if you Google it, you can find it. Um, that I th- That's really when I, when he was younger, I read that article and it was like, oh, that makes more sense. Right. Like how he phrases it. And so we try not to do it. Like you said, it's a healthy it's a healthy debate, and some of these I think like totally make sense, right? Like you don't need to tell your kids we can't afford that. Maybe for example, or I'm on a diet. Or I'm on a diet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm so glad I don't have a girl. <laughs> I, as a health coach, I work with people who whose parents said that, and they are still screwed up from it as right. when they're thirty. Yeah. So I would I'm not dismissing this whole list, but I think that the for me the general feel of some of this is taking it just a little bit too far. And I feel like generally speaking in parenting, the pendulum is kind of swinging is that we're all now examining ourselves or like, oh my gosh, are we doing like too much and trying to relax a bit and let kids play more and be themselves and don't say be careful and let them explore. Um, but I think this is starting to take it a little too well, far. What, I'm curious. You said be careful. Why is that bad? It's too general. It doesn't be careful of what? Right. 
Saying it oh, while your so, child okay. is like balancing on the monkey bars, it actually makes it more likely that they'll fall because then they're kind of examining themselves. And of course, they're being, you know, of course, they're being careful. Like that's, but they're also kind of. Sometimes exploring. they're not, though. Sometimes they're well, not. My, my what I, what, so that's the thing. I'm not, I don't remember what that article said, but like yeah. my takeaway from it is like, so like if, if, the, if they're not supposed to walk on the grass, they're supposed to walk on the sidewalk. If yeah. you say, don't walk on the grass, all they hear is walk on the grass. Or if you say, stay on the sidewalk, that's the positive version. Oh, so, okay. No, but this, is, this, this is, is more, this is actually different. This is saying, like, if you don't say be careful, if you are worried they're going to fall, just go close to them so you can be there if they do. But don't say the word. Because it's be better for them to learn through experience kind of thing. Like, if you fall off, then you and this know. This says actually that you're just distracting them and they're going to lose focus. Can, that it's can you offer like a corrective suggestion, like slow down or, or you right. know, because maybe they're excited, they're caught up in yeah. the moment and they're just, that's why they're not being careful. So yeah, just, it's interesting. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I mean, okay. in this sense, I think be careful is like the Noonan, Noonan from Caddyshack, where it's just the distracting phrase, not necessarily the, the oh. thought to be careful. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I could go on about this actually for a long time, but I'm not going to. We're going to move on to the topic of infant CPR. Um, but Check out the article. It's a really interesting article. Yeah. We'll link to it on the site. And if we haven't posted it on Facebook yet, we definitely will. Today's topic for Parent Savers is infant CPR. We're talking with Nathan Cohen, an instructor from CPR Advantage. Thanks for joining us, Nathan. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. And thank you, Parent Savers, for giving me this opportunity. What do we mean when we mean infant CPR? I mean, because when I picture CPR, hi, Adam. Uh, Adam's answering. That's right. When I imagine CPR, what pops to my head is like pushing up and down on somebody's chest. Yeah, it it can be really useful for someone who's hard to stop, but it's also useful for a poisoning or choking situation as well. So CPR Um, is more than just... It's more, yeah. yeah. I mean, at its most fundamental level, it's simply pushing down on the chest hard and fast to create blood flow to all the vital organs okay so that you can wake up or resuscitate the infant what's different about infant cpr than regular cpr uh, well let's start with one basic premise and that is if you don't do anything at all there's only one outcome right so anything you're going to try to do to help the situation is only going to help and also we don't have a lot of seven month olds and seven year olds out there having heart attacks um, right. You know, <laughs> the, the most likely cause is, again, something related to poisoning, choking, something a lot less benign. So so in the case of like an infant that's maybe gotten accidentally poisoned or a child that's choked on something, a lot of times when you find them, they have the same appearance as somebody whose heart has stopped and they're not breathing. Mm. But the reason why CPR is so important is a lot of times in children, there's still a heartbeat there. You might not be able to feel it, but it's still going. It's just starting to wind down slower and slower. So that means if you find a child or an infant that's not responding, not breathing, and you start CPR right away, regardless of what the reason for that need is, that's going to get all the blood revving back through the body, back to those important organs, the brain, heart, kidney, lungs, get all that blood flow going, and that's going to give you the best chance of waking them up right on the spot. No paramedics, no firefighters necessary. So even for us as professionals, when we when we find a situation where we need to do infant or child CPR, yeah. Even with all the advanced equipment we have, all the medicines we carry on the ambulance, our first step is always going to be basic first aid. Start with two minutes of CPR. If it gets everything going and fixes a problem and the child wakes up, fantastic. If it doesn't, go call 911, then come back and continue. Okay. But always do CPR first when you're alone with the child or an infant that needs it. The and phone call can come after. And really the big indicator that they need it is they're not responsive. Like they're, not, they're unconscious basically. Right? Yeah, they're they're unconscious. They're not waking up for you. And, um, you know, they're, they're just kind of loose, limp, no sounds, no obvious breathing, right. just no obvious signs Their of eyes life. may be open or closed. Mm, open or closed, but there's no obvious, there's no coughing, twisting right. movement. It's yeah. just kind of just, they're just kind of laying there. Okay. 
And so in an infant CPR class then is teaching the techniques and how to do it with even so Adam here is 11 weeks and three days and two hours or 11 weeks <laughs> or 11 months. <laughs> like it wasn't that recent. That's right. <laughs> exactly. But so then there's special techniques again. for that age kid or maybe for like a five month old too. There is. Right? We, we teach different techniques for infants, you know, less than one year of age. And, okay. and it's a different technique for older children and then for adults as well. It's a, it's, the big thing is that um, nowadays the mannequins that are used in CPR classes are way different than what they were using in the 80s or 90s. They're, they're not just foam mannequins anymore. They're much more modern. They're much more realistic. And a lot of the newer ones, at least the ones we use at CPR Advantage, they have a feedback mechanism. Mm. So it'll tell you when you're going deep enough. It'll tell you when you're going fast enough. And the resistance that you feel in these mannequins now is so realistic. It's just like a real, you know, the chest of a real baby or a real adult. Yeah. So getting that hands-on is going to take away a lot of that, like, question in your mind and all that kind of doubt because you're going to know exactly how it feels. I mean, even just on this baby CPR, I think just knowing that resistance, that feeling of when you've pushed far enough right. is like, it's going to give you that confidence to know how hard to push and how fast to push. And you're pushing down on their chest because it certainly does feel like if I were going to push on a baby's chest, I'd be worried I was going to break something in there. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, babies listen to your age. I mean, most of their bones are half cartilage anyway. You know, th there's a lot of flexibility there. Yeah. And when you're pushing down, you're pushing down on the breastbone. I mean, that's a big, wide bone that's there to protect the heart. Yeah. So you're just basically pushing on that to get the blood out of the heart and into circulation. And one of the biggest mistakes I see with parents is sometimes they're afraid to push hard enough because they're thinking, oh, I don't want to hurt the kid. Yeah. The truth is, is that it's much better to push all the way down with full recoil each time than to just push shallow. Um, the way I kind of explain it to my students is if you imagine like the heart is like a container filled with blood. You want to push all the way down and let it fully recoil. All the way down, let it fully recoil. That's going to get all that blood out and into circulation versus just pushing a little bit, little bit. That's barely going to push any blood into circulation, not yeah. going to make much of a difference. So when in doubt, when you're not sure what to do, Push hard, push fast. It's already really helpful to me to think about it in the context of why we're doing the pushing. And maybe I never even thought, but you're doing the work of the heart. You're pumping the yeah. blood through the body. You're essentially buying time. You're stabilizing the patient by keeping the blood going to those organs. The right. heart's not doing it or it's not doing it fast enough. So yeah. you're taking over. And that's going to keep oxygen delivered to the brain, to the heart. It's going to keep them alive and keep them kind of stable until they wake up or someone with more advanced training can take over. So who do you see taking your classes for infant CPR? Um, I, I think it's good for everyone to know CPR. Some of the schools, uh, high schools in San Diego, were actually required of their students to graduate. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. Um, but I would say that anybody that has anything to do with uh, children, like, you know, anybody that takes care of kids. So we're talking about new parents, uh, mm -hmm. new grandparents, uh, babies, uh, ba babies. Not babies <laughs> are, can wait a little while. Babysitters. babysitters yeah. <laughs> so babysitters, uh, you know, just anyone that's around kids. Uh, we, we have special programs for for certification for daycares but then we also have like workshops that are just focused on what parents need to know so i would just recommend anyone that's interested just find a reputable organization make sure it's it's in line with like a national training regiment like the red cross or the american heart association but you know there's a lot of opportunities out there and a lot of mom-centric businesses businesses that focus almost entirely on selling items for kids and for babies okay a lot of those uh, places will actually have uh, classes set up so just ask the manager you, you'd be surprised what you find I, we're, this is, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Um, we've learned a lot about why and how to do infant CPR, but I wanna talk about some specific scenarios in the second segment, so we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Parent Savers. Today, we're talking about infant CPR with Nathan Cohen from CPR Advantage. Um, so to talk about some specific scenarios where uh, CPR might be useful or to help parents know what to do, um, what do you do if your baby's choking on something? Like you hear a lot about maybe babies trying to eat a grape with, like after they're one and they're starting to eat or something and they're choking on it. What can parents do to help with that? Sure. Well, well first of all, recognize the signs of choking. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not just to kind of tease the kids for a second, you know, babies, you know, infants are not very great communicators. They're not going to hold their hands to their throat. They're not going to wave their arms in the air. So you got to kind of look for what the signs of choking are. Now, Oftentimes in an infant, what we're going to see is that their eyes are going to get really big and kind of bug out, and they're just going to track you everywhere you go in the room. You know, and it might not even be your child. You could be out for lunch with a, with a friend. She's at the salad bar, and the baby's staring at you. But if you notice that they're kind of watching you, and they're just tracking you like, like the haunted uh, mansion in Disneyland, <laughs> where they're just following you around, that's kind of a sign. That's their way of saying, hey, I need something. You know, I need help. Come over here. So... Even if it's not your kid, get a little closer, take a look. Now, if you get closer, and in addition to the big kind of eyes watching you, you notice that their lips get kind of pale or bluish pale, that's a definite sign of choking. And that blue lip sign, that can come on as little as 20 or 30 seconds after getting something stuck in their throat. They can't breathe, and their lips will go from rosy to pale to blue. So if you see that, you need to act. And and even for um, for the parents of children who've got a, a darker skin complexion, you know, even for them, you know, you might not see the, the blue in the lips, but you'll see the paleness. And what we do in the fire service, at least, is we'll kind of pull down the eyelid and we normally see a lot of blood vessels in there. Yeah. If that area is also kind of pale, that's another tip off that they're that they're not getting any oxygen to the face that they're choking. Mm. So if you see big eyes, pale lips, definite sign you need to act. So in that case... Is chest compressions what we're looking to do, or no? Else? That's that's when you're going to learn um, a special technique. You hold the baby over your forearm, you rest your forearm on top of your leg, right. and you do slaps at the top of the back uh, with the heel of your hand. So you use the bottom part yeah. of your hand right between the shoulder blades, and you hit five times, reasonably with firm. The heel. Yeah, down. You're going to hit five times. You don't want to be too light. You don't want to be too heavy. You know, you're not looking for Godzilla strength here. <laughs> you know, you just want to kind of hit firmly with the with the visualization that each of these hits. This is going to get that object free. This is going to get that object okay. free. And that, and then after you do five on the back, you're going to flip them over to the front side. Yeah. And now on this, on the chest, in the same place you do CPR, you're going to do five separate distinct thrusts. And they don't have to be harder. All you're looking for is to create that quick motion. That yeah. quick motion is going to create that puff of air that's going to hit that object and knock it out. And, and, and if you actually visualize as you're doing these, like, this is going to get the red and Lego out. <laughs> right. All right. What about if a baby's unconscious after a big blow to the head, like maybe they accidentally got dropped or they rolled off their bed or something? I feel like that happens at least once to every family that their baby's Only once? Roll off oh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Embarrassing confession. <laughs> That's two. right. That's a topic right there. <laughs> Embarrassing and real confessions. Of but yeah, like, so they fall off the bed and they land kind of on their head and you're like, oh my gosh is he okay like what's what's going sure. on sure i mean that's in all fairness that's probably more of a first aid type question okay. um but i think that you know look for a change in behavior look for a change in the way they're acting you know is there a change in muscle tone are they really lethargic and kind of listless you know and if there's any of those changes even if you're not sure if you're seeing those changes when in doubt just call 911 or get them evaluated by a healthcare professional 
But if you didn't see him fall off the bed and you come in and he or she is unconscious, then that's what you talked about before. That's maybe a CPR situation because you just want to keep the blood flowing, right? Well, I mean, with a head injury, you're more worried about, you know, I mean, there's, there's But you a ton may of not stuff, know it's a head injury yeah. at that point. I mean, yeah. some of the simple signs of a head injury, they might vomit. You know, there's just it's it's a little complex. Right. Yeah, but I if would, you do know it's a head injury, then CPR maybe isn't what you should be doing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, the CPR is the indication for CPR is they're not breathing. They're not moving. So with a head injury, they might be injured, but they're not necessarily not moving and not breathing. So pulling a baby from a pool, pulling a baby from a pool. Wow. Um, So you're still going to do CPR. And honestly, a, a big, big part of like keeping kids safe is prevention. So there's a ton of great resources out there. There's a program called Infant Swimming Resource, which teaches kids as young as six months how to like that if they fall in the pool, how to kind of hold their breath float up to the, you know, roll over, float to the surface, and then just kind of lay there floating thanks to the baby fat, just kind of floating in the pool crying till someone sees them and scoops them out. Um, now, with regards to what we do for CPR, there is a little bit of variety because I teach Red Cross and American Heart, and they have two different points of view on it. And I think in this specific case, I think Red Cross has a little bit more exact because they recommend starting the CPR for the baby with the two breaths. Normally, all CPR starts with the compressions. Mm. The one exception is with poisoning or with drowning because you, that oxygen is super important. And the mechanism that actually helps that that drowned baby or that drowned child is pretty interesting. Um, What it is, is as you give those breaths, you're actually pushing that air into the lungs, which is physically displacing about two thirds of that water out of the body. So you're not going to see the Tom and Jerry, you know, fountain coming out of the mouth, you know, Mm -hmm. but you will see the water slowly seep. And then once you get that initial water out, you're just going to continue CPR. And the, the interesting part is that as you blow that air in, as you blow that air in, you're going to actually be pushing that extra, that remaining water into the tissues. And most people don't think of the lungs as a place that can take that water should be, but the body can abs- actually absorb a small amount of it. So you're either going to continue CPR, which is going to get the rest of the water out, or you're going to wait for the lifeguard. And when the lifeguard gets there, he has a positive pressurized mask for oxygen, okay. puts it right over the face. And as he bl- hits the button, it's actually actually going to force that air into the lungs and push that fluid into the tissues. CPR is a combination of compressions and breaths. It's very, very important for kids that you include the breathing too. You don't want to just err on the side of just doing the compressions. I mean, the way I look at hands-only CPR, because there is a lot of hype out there about hands-only right now, that's if you are overwhelmed. Let's say you have a situation, you know CPR, you're at the playground, there's a car crash in the parking lot. If there's more than one victim, if there's three people that need CPR and you're the only one that knows how to do it, you can show a bystander, a good Samaritan that wants to help, hey, come over to this person, push on their chest just like this, and then go over to the second person, hey, push on this person's chest just like this. Then you go over to the third person, do compressions, breathing, use of an AED, that's going to help even more, but at least everybody's getting some help until the paramedics show up. What mistake do you see people make with infant CPR? Sure. I think the biggest mistake, honestly, is that people don't push down hard enough because they're in the back of their minds, they're thinking, I don't want to hurt my baby. I don't want to hurt my child. I don't want to push down too hard. It's better to push hard and fast and all the way down because that's really going to create that good blood flow, as we talked about earlier. So when in doubt, just go ahead and push on their chest. And the interesting thing, too, is we sometimes joke with our students that if you're doing CPR on an older child and you can't tell if they're awake, if they're breathing or not, you know, if you're not sure, send someone to call 911, you start doing CPR, starting with those compressions. Because as you're pushing down, if that child suddenly wakes up, like, what are you doing? You know, why are you pushing on my chest? Oh, sorry, sorry, kid. You know, where's your mom? Where's the teacher? You know, 
And, and worst case scenario, if you push on someone's chest when they don't need it, they get a big bruise on their chest. And a great story of it. Like, oh, John thought I was dying, starts pushing on my <laughs> chest, you know. But it's always better than the alternative. Oh, yeah. So when in doubt, just call 911, start CPR. You're not going to hurt them. You'll just give them a good story. Did you ever take an infant CPR class, Stacey? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll show you at the next break. But we did, we did, we did baby led weaning when my son turned six months old, and he, we had all the signs. He was sitting up and all this stuff, and and so I was really paranoid. And I I read a statistic on the internet, so it must be true. Yes. But it said that like like only like six percent of parents experience a choking incident with baby led weaning. I'm not sure what like the age range was. I'm sure adults still choke. I mean, it's not like right. it's right. it's foolproof, but but I like obsessively like made sure I like reread the directions on what to do for choking. Yeah. and stuff like that. Well, it's a big deal for babies because up until that first year of age, they don't really have well-defined taste buds. So nothing really tastes sour or bitter, but all the texture sensation is right there. So when they find like a, when they see like a bug hopping by or a cricket or something, to them, it's not like a dirty, icky bud. To, to, to them, it's kind of squishy and chewy and you know <laughs> oh, crispy yuck. and flaky and all those interesting sensations. So a lot of times they kind of explore the world by putting things in their mouth. And so having the simple, you know, skill set of knowing how to get that choking object back out is, yeah. a, is a huge plus. My um, my little guy that's almost two, <laughs> he has this, we call it the chipmunk. He's got this thing that he's doing now where he'll eat his food and then stuff it in his cheeks and he won't swallow it for a while. And it's freaking me out because, you know, I'm cutting his food super tiny to ensure that he doesn't choke. And then he just walks around it's like it has to disintegrate first. And then he'll like eat and it's like totally freaking me out. And I'm like, I really need to review that CPR stuff because, you know, something's going to get caught. I, I call it the chipmunk stage too. I, I have parents tell me, oh, my, my toddler loves meatballs. And so they'll cut it into eight little pieces yeah. and then they'll turn away, look back, and all of a sudden all eight pieces are gone. Yeah. So, it yeah, it's, I, I think it's just good kind of learning, you know, just teaching them how to eat, you know, portion control, <laughs> just give them a little bit, watch them, a little bit, right, watch them. Right. It's more, you know, more consuming of the parents' time, but that, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, all right. So for people looking to take classes, and I, I mean, you may not be able to completely answer this, but, um, you know, that maybe don't live in San Diego. Like, what, what are some ways that people can find infant CPR classes? Sure. Well, if they're in San Diego, please come to one of our classes. <laughs> CPR um, manage, right? Yeah. But uh, also the Red Cross, the American Heart Association offer great programs for child daycare certification, but parents can also enroll into the same courses. Um, but there's also sometimes you'll find, again, with those kind of mom-centric and local parenting hotspots, you'll find that oftentimes they offer classes and they're usually specialized to just the bare basics of what a parent wants to know. So just um, check out those businesses, you know, ask the managers or the baby registry desks, et cetera, yeah. and just kind of, you know, see what they offer. Um, I know for us, um, ours was done through our healthcare provider and it was a free class, nice. you know? So, I mean, that's one thing that I would say too, is is just check with your healthcare provider and yeah. see if they offer And as you're yeah. taking all those classes leading yeah. up to it. But, All but, right. but the big thing for me, too, because a lot of people kind of do these online programs, I'm, I'm, I apologize, but that's really not a good way to go. You need that makes to get, sense. Yeah, because yeah. you need to get the hands on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, you need to have, have that muscle have that memory feeling. because that's what's going to give you the confidence right. in a real emergency to act without thinking. You know, you don't want to have that kind of hesitation. You want to be able to just jump in, do the right thing, you know, help the kid out. Great. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, Nathan. For more information about infant CPR, more information about any of our panelists, visit the episode page on our website. We'll continue the conversation for members of our Parent Savers Club after the show. Um, we'll talk about moving beyond infant CPR. And uh, so please stick around for that if you remember the Parent Savers Club. And if you want to hear that and you're not, then please join. For more information about how to join, you can visit our website, parentsavers.com. 
Hello, Parent Savers. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shear, a clinical psychologist with a practice in San Diego. One of my specialties is working with women during pregnancy and throughout the transition to motherhood. Today's segment is about common adjustments that couples go through with a new baby. When baby is born, it is never again just you and me. The dyad expands to a triad. There is often a sense of loss, even as there is simultaneous excitement about growing your family. It is helpful to remember that mothers and fathers often experience this transition differently and at different times. Make the transition conscious by talking about it. When baby is born, there is a healthy and yet temporary preoccupation on caregiving baby. It is perfectly normal for new moms and dads to be focused on strengthening and defining these roles for themselves, and they are often different. Some men are natural caretakers and want to be very involved in the process. Other men may become very focused on their role as a financial provider. Try to think about where your partner gains esteem for this new role as mother or father, and try to understand that if the focus or attention on each other is not what you're used to, things are still fine. Rather than experiencing these changes as rejection or an indicator that something is wrong, it shows the enormous energy you are both putting into defining brand new parts of yourself, and you're doing it under minimal sleep. And speaking of minimal sleep, sexual intimacy and sleep deprivation are not a very good mix. So try to be gentle with yourselves and trust that you will find a natural rhythm with one another after the hard work of learning your baby's rhythms are firmly established. Thanks for tuning in to Parent Savers. It is my hope that having a greater understanding of common couple adjustments will help to normalize some of the changes that come with the new baby. And keep listening for more episodes on how to thrive as a new parent. That wraps up today's show. Thanks so much for listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeed, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. Next week, we'll be talking about another exciting topic for new and new again parents. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. It's magic. It's awesome. (laughs) It's free. It's awesome. It's free. It's awesome. (laughs) This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.